Welcome to the Triumphal Feast Podcast, a ministry of Elder Bryce Lowrance speaking to you from the pulpit of Mount Perrin Primitive Baptist Church in Social Circle, Georgia. You have been made worthy by the very blood of Jesus Christ, and you have been caused to be born again. You have been given faith so that you will pray. Mount Perrin Primitive Baptist Church meets regularly two times a week. Our regular worship service is on Sunday at 1030 a.m. Eastern and our Wednesday evening Bible study is at 7 p.m. Eastern. If you would like to attend in person, we are located at 3749 Mount Perrin Church Road, Social Circle, Georgia, 30025. For more information about these services online or Mount Perrin Primitive Baptist Church, please visit our website at mppbc.com. of an account that happened several times at what was once known as the Metropolitan Tabernacle there in London. Well, Elder Charles Spurgeon preached to over 5,000 people every Sunday. People would come in and wonder at that event as to how it was that that place could draw in so many people when it seemed like the rest of London and England was wandering off into the world. People thought, well, must be some kind of entertainment, or there must be a really great children's program, or some other man-made invention that was causing so many people to want to flock to that place to hear Brother Spurgeon preach. And something that you need to understand about that as well is not only were there 5,000 people in the building, no sound system, no fancy stuff, nothing ornate about it. If you were to read the average Spurgeon sermon, it took over an hour. And so people were there, but it caused folks to wonder. So they would come during the week, lots of them, on a regular basis. And when Mr. Spurgeon was there, he would meet them, greet them, and show them the meeting place. And then he'd say, I want to take you downstairs to the boiler room. And every time he would take people down there, there could be as many as 100 people in that basement praying. And he said, this is the powerhouse of the church. This morning, I want to talk to you about the powerhouse of the church. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 4. And we're going to talk about this mindset of prayer. And before I read this text, we need to understand that prayer is there for us to communicate with the only one that is able to help. And so when we need help, personally, we need to be going to the Lord in prayer rather than trying to 
solve things ourselves or come up with some kind of earthly solution, certainly it's far better to go to the Lord than it is to whine on social media. And so I don't deny that there is a need and a properness to us to pray for our personal needs. But the verse that I'm going to read to you that I want to focus on today actually doesn't stop at the end of Colossians 4 verse 2. So I want to catch the next two verses, although we may not get into too much detail about those. We need to see what Paul is talking about. And he is not denying the need for personal prayer. But what he is talking about here is as powerful a tool as that is. A church that prays is the powerhouse of the world. The church of the living God is what is a blessing to this earth. And it receives its blessings from the Father of mercies, and it receives them based upon how it prays. So let's look at our text this morning. Colossians 4, starting in verse 2. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving, with all praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in bonds, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Now, on the surface, it looks like Paul is saying, pray for me. And he is, but he is not praying that he get out of prison. He is not praying that his personal discomfort be taken out of the way. He is not praying that the Lord have a natural prosperity in his life. The apostle Paul is praying for the furtherance of the kingdom of God. And so when he's saying, pray for your preacher... He's not talking about just the personal nature of the preacher. He's saying this is how the kingdom of God is spread here on earth. Now, we can't cause somebody to be born again. We know that. But the manifest kingdom of God, there's a lot of responsibility in us in asking for the blessings of God. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. You'll recall over in Matthew chapter 16, when Peter gave that most wonderful confession, Thou art the Christ. The Son of the Living God. That was the first time that man had spoken here on earth who Jesus Christ really was. Angels had told it to men, but man made a confession of it. Jesus responds to him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Jesus says, I know how you learned this. My Father placed it in you. And thou art Peter. I'm just going to pause there for a second. Peter means a smaller stone, not a big rock. He's putting Peter in an understanding that he is under the mercy and sovereignty of God. And he says, and upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You know, sometimes, well, most of the time, the Lord uses examples that are pretty easy to understand. We all understand how a gate works. You have a fence line, and where you want an opening, 
you place a gate that's sitting on hinges, whether it's a double gate or a single gate, and it can swing open so that things can go in and out. And when you don't want anything going in and out, then you latch it and you put a lock on it. And so Jesus is describing the very gates of hell. He's saying of the worst circumstances where it seemed like the devil would be in charge of all things, he says, the gates of hell shall not prevail against my church. Now, the last time I checked, gates are affixed to a, a fence that doesn't move. So gates are not an offensive weapon. They're a defense. So Jesus is saying that the church, that his church, that, he, that is built upon him, should be an offensive weapon in this world against the powers of evil. Not that we are offensive, meaning we're ugly toward people, but that we should not be reactive to everything that's going on around us. We should be proactive in prayer to the God of heaven that knows what's going to happen before it happens and pray for his intervening providence. To the point at which... The gates of hell cannot prevail against it. Folks, prayer to God through the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is the battering ram that takes down the very gates that try to keep dominion over God's creation. We've been given the tool, but are we using it? We're going to look at three words this morning. One of them is continue. The next is watch. And the third is thanksgiving. But what we need to realize is how God designed his church. And that is, it is victorious. God prevails. Therefore, his people will be with him. But you know what? God never intended us to lose the small battles along the way and have an unprofitable life here. We are placed here to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. We need to take up this weapon of prayer and fight against the world by praying to God for help. We have an old hymn, I know that my Redeemer lives. There's a wonderful phrase in that that says, fight on. Pray on. We're gaining ground. What happened? What happened in America that the church of the living God is no longer gaining ground? Is it because Christ moved off his throne? No. It's because his people came out of the boiler room and went to the movie theater. <laughs> it's because his people stopped praying. Because his people stopped their focus on the one thing that we ought to be focused on, and that is the glory of the kingdom of Christ here on earth. That is our primary responsibility. And fear of sounding like some other kind of religion, we old Baptists even stop praying for the health of souls. Folks, we need to be doing that. Don't you want your loved ones and your neighbors to have the joy of the Lord in them? Well, then do we pray for it? And so that is what I want us to look at this morning. Fight on. 
Pray on. I want us gaining ground. I don't want us losing ground to the world. And when I say that, there's not a single piece of legislation or a court decision that can be made that will cause the kingdom of Christ to gain ground in this world. That is an illusion. The only way the kingdom of Christ gains ground in this world is the Lord sees fit to bless it. But we have not because we ask not. Would God want a small kingdom? He says my kingdom was not of this world. He doesn't say that he wants it small and withering and not doing anything. He said my church, the gates of hell itself cannot prevail against it. That's God's design for this church. I think we ought to figure out how to do that. So Paul says we are to continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. We're going to continue. We're going to watch and we're going to have thanksgiving. Continue. I know this is going to sound very simple, but it's also going to be very, very convicting. We cannot continue in something that we haven't been doing. In order to continue doing something, you have to have started doing it. Very often, your prayer life is probably like mine. We throw up a panic prayer. Problems come into our lives, and we seek the Lord's help, which is a good thing to do. The Lord delivers, though, and we move on like nothing happened. You know, we're no different than Israel of old. Read the book of Judges if you want to see the pattern of your life in prayer, if it's like mine. Israel sins. God lets them go into captivity. Israel prays. God sends a deliverer, wipes out the enemy. Israel is restored. And Israel says, thank you, Lord. No, Israel sins. Israel sold into captivity. God sends another deliverer, another judge. Israel is delivered. They say, nope. They fall right back in to sin. That is not the prayer life that God intended for us. Throwing up Hail Mary passes just at the end. There are going to be problems that come up in our lives. And so there are going to be times where we need to desperately pray. David did that in the Psalms. One of the best prayers that you can ever pray is, Lord, help. But that's not the only prayer David prayed. David prayed long prayers. David had a regular conversation with God, so he knew that that communication was there, so that when he said those two little words, Lord, help, he knew it was coming. That's what we need to have both individually and in our families and especially as a church. Because remember, this letter was written to the church at Colossae. This is speaking to all of us. James in James chapter 5 says, The effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man availeth much. I'm going to be honest with you. I've heard a lot of men foolishly explain that away. Well, I'm not a very righteous fellow, so my prayers don't get very far. Well, in and of yourself, you're not righteous. 
but by the blood of Jesus Christ you have been declared so, so pray. This is not talking about whether we're worthy of it or not. You have been made worthy by the very blood of Jesus Christ, and you have been caused to be born again. You have been given faith so that you will pray. Don't blame God for your weakness. He made you powerful. And he says it is effectual. You know what that means? It has an effect. It's not that we do something and nothing comes back. But it is also fervent. That can mean fiery. But fire implies the idea that it's been burning. And so what we need to have the attitude of in continuing in prayer is this is a constant mindset. Knowing that the Lord does answer prayer. And we'll get to that in a second under the heading of watch. But if we have the idea that we pray and God doesn't grant immediately and we stop praying, here's some things to think about. We either think prayer doesn't work, which that's, if the devil can convince us of that, he's won some big battles. Or we don't think the blessing of God is valuable enough to keep asking for We think, well, this is my condition. I'm just going to live with it. The Lord never intended us to live that way. So the Apostle Paul prayed three times. The Lord said, no, no, he didn't. Let let, Let me make sure you understand something. God did not tell Paul no. I know you've heard that said. Paul prayed that that thorn in the flesh be removed. God said, my grace is sufficient for thee. Paul, it's going to stay, but I'm there with you. And my grace will make it where you can keep on going. And you know what? The Apostle Paul kept on going. Because why? Because God's grace was sufficient for him. We may pray that our troubles go away. And it may sound like God has said no, but he has not. He says, my child, it's only temporary. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. I am there with you. People say, well, God's not going to give you something more than you can handle. That's not true. God will not allow things to come into your life that will overcome his grace. Bad things come into our lives, but nothing is greater than the grace and mercy of God. So we need to be looking to him so that we can see that he is there. So, Brother Bryce, sometimes it it feels like I pray and and my prayers just hit the ceiling and come right back down. I'm right there with you. Sometimes I pray and I fall asleep while I'm praying. Well, the disciples did that too and it wasn't a good thing. But let me tell you this, at least you started praying. So next time maybe drink you some coffee or stand up and pray. So that you can stay awake. That's getting into the next subject. (laughs) Well, Luke chapter 18. There is the parable of the unjust judge. This woman comes and bothers him, bothers him, and bothers him, and bothers him. 
And he declares, even though I have no regard for any man, he declares himself unjust. So I don't care about anybody but myself. But because this woman keeps bothering me, I'm going to answer her request. And I'm going to give her what she wants. Your heavenly father is not an unjust, selfish judge. He is a loving father. How much more will he bless? Jesus himself said, sometimes God delays. I was reading a sermon of Elder Spurgeon yesterday on this, and this just blew my mind. I never thought of it this way. I've written an article called God is not an ATM, an automatic teller machine, where you go in and you punch in what you want, and he spits it out. He's not that. And so when I first started reading what Brother Spurgeon said, I was like, oh, I'm not going to like this. Well, I liked it. And he says, sometimes we pray, and God holds back the principle so that when he does pay, he's paying it with interest. He is answering far beyond what simple thing we asked. Not only does he show us that he can handle our grief and our trouble, he can put blessings upon it that cannot be contained and our cup overflows. He holds it back so that he'll pay with interest. I like that. Sometimes God does ask, answer quickly. Sometimes God delays. But I can tell you this before we go any further. If we are asking according to the will of God, he's very pleased and joyful to answer and to give us our heart's desire. And so we need to be continually in prayer. Now, so that there's not a misunderstanding about that. That's, Paul is not telling us that we all need to quit doing everything else and be on our knees in prayer constantly. If we did that, then the world would come to a screeching halt because nobody would be producing, so there wouldn't be any food to eat, and it would just be a disaster. That's not what he's intending. As a matter of fact, there was that problem at Thessalonica. There were some folks that thought, well, Lord's coming back. I'm going to quit my job. Paul writes a second letter to them when he finds out about that, and he says, a man that doesn't work shouldn't eat. Solves that right there. Jesus did the same thing. If you look in Luke chapter 5, I believe it is, Jesus preaches a sermon, and as soon as he is done, you know what he does? He says, Peter, let's get in a boat. Go out in the deep for a draught of fish. They went back to work so that they could eat. That was the Savior himself. And so... What Paul is talking about is not that we are in the physical exercise of prayer all the time, but that our mind is continually focused on seeking the will of God, even if we're doing another activity. You know, I mentioned in the opening that Spurgeon would take folks down to the basement where the boiler room was, where they could heat the building. The Bible gives us a lot of examples. One of them is a refiner's fire. 
that our, the trying of our faith is like going through that refining process. And so that's something that we're familiar with. So I can use this example. If you have a fire that is used to refine metals and somebody decides, well, we're going to turn that fire on when, it's, when we need to refine metal. And then when we don't need to refine metal, we're going to put that fire out. And then the next time we need to refine metal, we're going to start that fire up again and get it cranked up to the heat that we need. And then when we're done with that, we're going to turn it off. And the next time we need it, we're going to turn it back on. Anybody ever refined metal? I haven't. But I've watched the process of it. And if you put the fire out until you need it, then it takes a very, very long time to get that fire hot enough again in order for it to be used. And so what we need to have is a fire of prayer that's continually burning. That even though there's not an immediate and pressing need that is bearing down on us, the fire is still burning. So that when problem comes, Spurgeon said it this way, if there shall not always be iron in the furnace to melt yet let there always be fires to melt it <laughs> let the communication already be going so that when the trouble comes you just add that to the conversation that we're already having with the Lord now I want this individually for each one of us but we also need to understand we need to be doing this as a church A couple of years ago, the devil threw at us some weapons that he hadn't used in a long time. He used a global pandemic, an economic crisis, and many people got scared. And in many folks, it revealed a lack of devotion. It made it very easy for folks to just disappear. And I'm not just talking about Mount Perrin. Every church, every denomination even outside of Christianity and Islam and in Judaism, the same result. The lack of fire of devotion, trouble came, and they couldn't get the fire kindled back up fast enough. And so they went away. Rather than fault them, we need to kindle the fire up for them and start praying for them. Because that's the next part, to watch. Are we watching our world and our friends and our loved ones and our church members, are we watching them well enough to know what their needs are? It should not be when we say, are there any prayer requests, that there's a pause. <laughs> it needs to be that we know. In our earthly minds, when I send out that newsletter and it's a long list of prayer requests, that's discouraging to our natural minds. But it should not be to our spiritual minds. It should be we are going to see God work in all of these things. He's allowed us to be aware that they're there 
and we can take them to him. So the first idea of watch is we got to get our head out of the sand. You know, you know what that comes from. It's when an ostrich gets scared, it sticks his head down in the sand. Oh, I don't see the trouble. It goes away. We're like little children. When they get scared, they go and hide in the closet and they put their hands over their eyes. If I can't see it, it's not there. Well, I don't do that. Yeah, we do. We fill our lives with entertainment and stuff and deny the fact that the kingdom of Christ is on the decline in our very church. I don't want that. And we all say we don't want that, but are we doing the things, prayer, to change that course? Only God can change that course. But if we're not asking him to, he can move it someplace else. I want it here. I want it here. We have run out of time for this week, so we will pause the message at that point. I hope this message has encouraged you to re-examine your prayer life so that it further conforms to the design that God has for it. Next week, we will hear the conclusion of this message and see God's design and desire for each of His local assemblies to be fervently praying churches that have a huge impact on their community. We hope this edition of Triumphal Feast has been a blessing to you. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and visit our website at mppbc.com for further resources, including our devotional blog, Little Brother's Thoughts on the Bible. Until next time, may the Lord richly bless you all is our prayer.